Good morning. Everybody glad to be here? I'll tell you what, I am so fired up. I'm sure that this intro video has just hopefully sparked some interest in us that we get to be the light in a dark place in this world. And there's nothing better than fulfilling that role that Jesus has given us. Amen? So I don't know about you. I love Christmas time. I, I just, I love, you know, Christmas, the Christmas season. Everybody's in a little bit better mood. There's Christmas parties, looking for that perfect gift. I just, I love Christmas. But the best of all about the season, and you know it, is we get to celebrate, celebrate the fact that God came into this world that he created as a helpless baby, as growing up to a 30-year-old dying on the cross, rising again, all to show us his great love and his passion. And he simply wants us to love him back and step in relationship. You know that song we just sang, Oh, How He Loves Us? I just have to confess to you, Mark, forgive me, our worship director, but um, I changed the words a little bit in that song, Oh, How He Loves Me. I think sometimes we generalize, you know, for God so loved the world, but God so loved you and me that he wants us he wants our entire heart, our, our, our love, our passion, everything within us. So I'm going to ask you to do something. We are starting a new series. I am so excited. We are in the book of Luke. So turn to the gospel of Luke. But I want you to do one thing for me um, as we start this new series. Now, we're going to be wrapping around 2022 into this book. I'm excited. We're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's got some really, really good stuff throughout this entire book. It's the longest of all four gospels. I need you to do something with me. I need you to believe with me that God can do something miraculous in these gatherings together every weekend. Will you do that with me? So, Father, we are believing together in unity God, we believe that you are the God of the impossible. What, what man sees, what people see, is not what you see, God. You saw us as misfits, helpless, sinners, broken people, in pain, in dis dis shambles, God. And you came and put us back together the way you want us to be. And so, God, I pray through this gospel, this gospel story, this account, this real-life account of, of the most incredible person who ever lived on the earth, the God-man, that, God, you would be in this moment, every single gathering that we have, whether we're in life group, whether we're going down to Casa Hogar, whether we're meeting on Sundays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays, that every gathering, God, you would do something miraculous in our heart. God, I pray that you would wake us up. Wake us up, God, to the fact that you are a loving God and you only want the best for us. And even in those moments when it's difficult to wait on you, God, for what we want now, we pray today we can learn from this incredible couple of Zechariah and Elizabeth who loved you from the heart, God, and yet they even struggled. Thank you, God, for reminding us they struggled sometimes with waiting. We love you, God. We ask your power, your spirit to do something amazing. In Jesus' name, everybody said together, amen. I want to introduce you to a couple of people. In 1972, they moved to Mission Viejo. And before this place was a church campus, remember from the last series, this is not the church building. We are the church, right? But this church building, this campus that we have, Obviously was not here during that time. There were six people that stood right where we have our outdoor baptistry with the waterfall outside. Six people stood on a dirt hill. There was nothing around. I think Geronimo was like a, a dirt road at that time. There was not, maybe some cattle, some sheep over in the hills. And it was just, there was just nothing here. 
These six people stood on a dirt mound and saw something. They saw someone. They saw people. They saw a church campus where people in Mission Viejo could come and find God, where people would be equipped who found God to go out and be a light in the dark place in this world. And even with the California dream, beautiful Mission Viejo, people moved to this area years ago to get away from, 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 from all the pain of life, hoping that this would be the satisfying part of life that would, the dream that we all had, that life would be this utopic euphoria experience. And it doesn't work out that way because there's nothing in this world that can compare to the, to the, to the goodness and the grace that Jesus Christ gives us. And so they stood on this hill and they prayed. And they asked God, God, we need to have a church here. We believe you're doing something. They walked away from that prayer and they stood back and they waited. God stirred something up and opened an opportunity for a small band of people to have a church. Actually, you know where Downey Savings is over there on La Paz, where the freeway is? There's a Downey Savings. It's an empty building. We actually had church service. I wasn't there, but we had church services back in the day. Then God opened up an opportunity mission. Our company sold this piece of land that was a tiny little house up here. It was just a big dirt mound. And they seized the opportunity because they waited and they prayed and they believed that God could do it in his timing. Now, what's extraordinary about this story is that one of the guys who stood on that hill had an extreme problem with alcohol. He was on the verge of losing his own life, his job, his family. He spiraled out into such a dark area of life that the only thing he could do was to look up. He realized that he had nothing left to live for. He looked up. Someone shared the good news of Jesus Christ with him, that God loves you, man. You're searching for something in a bottle that you'll never find. And we've all been there. We've searched in places and couldn't find any satisfaction. Someone brought the great news of Jesus Christ to this guy. He received Christ into his life. His whole life changed. His life changed so much that he now saw himself as a vessel for God. He joins MVCC, he comes into this place, he starts serving. Not literally this place, because remember they were in Downey Savings. He was serving, doing everything he could. He was so thankful that God delivered him from this problem of alcoholism that Jesus sobered him up and gave him life, man. And, and because of that, he was so grateful. He just kept serving and serving and getting involved and loving people and being a light in the dark place where he lived. The guy was an engineer, one of the most intelligent guys I've ever met in my life. God elevated him up into be a leader at Missionville Christian Church. Why I bring this up is this. God uses imperfect people for his plan. And what we do sometimes is when we get involved in God's plan, sometimes, sometimes we rush into a situation without praying and waiting to see how God will set something up. Have you ever been frustrated that God wasn't doing something that you wanted him to do right now? Oh, we all probably need to stand up. It's cold this morning, I know, but we all need to just warm up, don't we? Anybody here frustrated with God? Why aren't you doing this now? I've prayed, I've waited, we, we threw finances into this, I put my heart, my soul into this relationship. I mean, whatever you're facing today, I just believe that God can give us a clear direction. And I want to introduce you in a second just to two other people who were imperfect, but God used in an extraordinary way, and they learned the lesson 
of waiting. Can I just tell you that I need to learn this lesson? I don't wait very well. I don't like waiting at the stoplight. I don't like waiting at Del Taco in line for my burrito. I don't like waiting. I don't like waiting, waiting, waiting. I want it now. And God is saying, that's not how life works, pal. This is not how this program works. So if you draw your attention to the screen really quick, we're in the gospel of Luke. We're going to go verses one to five, but this one I just wanted to send out as a precursor here. But why are we studying the gospel of Luke together? Because God said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be both now and forever. Amen. I really sensed in my spirit that it was time now that we get just digging into the word of God. Why? Because we want to grow in our relationship with God, but it's also good for us to have the knowledge of understanding who Jesus is and what does he really want me to be doing. So I'd like to introduce you to two people named Zach and Ellie, better known as Zachariah and Elizabeth. They're incredible people. We're going to look into their lives and see what God did 2,000 years ago that was absolutely extraordinary. What I'm going to do now is just give you kind of an informational dump before we look at verses 1 to 5. The reason I want to do this is it's just really good to have a background about the gospel of Luke, who wrote it, what was going on. The author, obviously, look on the screens here, was Luke himself. Luke was the author of uh, the gospel of Luke. He was a Gentile, meaning non-Jew, and he was a physician. Very intelligent, doctor, looked at everything with a very copacetic, very uh, uh, detailed way. That's how his life, how he was wired. Luke wrote this gospel to a man named Theophilus, which actually means one who loves God. Luke was not one of the 12 apostles. He accepted Jesus Christ as his savior later after the apostles, Jesus had already died. Luke conducted his own research about the Son of God, and that's how we have the Gospel of Luke. Interesting, though, Luke was also a traveling companion to the Apostle Paul. He went on his second and third missionary journeys, and he did all this eyewitness research account, which we'll read here in just a second. Let's go to the second slide. Kind of interesting, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are all the accounts. Remember, they're not stories. They're accounts of the life of Jesus. And so the four Gospels give us a complete view of Jesus. I look at this as if we were standing on uh, Geronimo and Marguerite down here by Royal Donuts. And so we were down there on the corner, and uh, there's four people on the corner, and there happens to be a fender better right in the middle of the intersection. All four people would see the same event, but see it from a different perspective. That's what we're looking at right here about the life of Jesus. So let's look at Matthew, wrote from his perspective, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Letting us know that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Mark wrote this, his gospel, about Jesus being the suffering servant. Luke, which we're in now, basically brings out the humanity of Jesus. We're going to look at the fact that Jesus was a human being, but he was also God in flesh. Um, We're looking here at the gospel of John, when we read that gospel, that John presents Jesus as the Son of God. So... Interesting here that the next slide, Jesus, through the gospel of Luke, teaches us that there's 18 parables, stories that Jesus told to bring about spiritual truth. There are six miracles mentioned in Luke that are not mentioned in the other gospels. Kind of interesting context of what was going on. Luke uh, met Paul on his first missionary journey, and then as I mentioned, he actually jumped on board in that second and third missionary journey And so uh, the gospel of Luke is written by a guy who actually was in the trenches with the apostle Paul. So let's read together verses 1 to 4 
uh, one to five here, and then we'll get started knowing that we have a little bit of background on this Dr. Luke. Many have undertaken and drawn up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully, watch now, investigated everything from beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus. Many commentators believe that Theophilus was a patient of Dr. Luke, and so that's why he wrote this letter to him, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So with that introduction, we are just once again reminded that Dr. Luke is writing this on an eyewitness account. He wants Theophilus to know everything there is possible about who Jesus was. Some commentators actually believe that, that Luke interviewed Mary, the mother of, earthly mother of Jesus, and that's where he got a lot of his information from about who Jesus is. This is important to know because remember that Luke was not one of the 12 apostles who were with Jesus, was with Jesus for twelve year, or three years, so it was really, really important for him to have accurate information. Of course, being a doctor, information and accuracy is so important. Now, with all that... Two people, Zacharias and Elizabeth, Zachariah and Elizabeth, we're going to be introduced to in just a second. When we read this account, I just want you to see that I think they struggled with God's timing. I think they struggled with certain things in their life, but they always remained focused, even though they had some of those internal struggles. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible sometimes, I think, gosh, man, I don't measure up. God, I, I, I feel like there's so many things in my life that I fall short of that I don't measure up to everything that you've called me to be. Anybody feel that way? Just, just to give you a little bit insight about how God used people in the Bible, and if you're watching this online, this would be a great place to put in something that just struck you about one person on the chat. Noah had a drinking problem. Abraham was too old. Moses couldn't speak and killed an Egyptian in the name of justice. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was not good looking. Gideon was always afraid. Samson had a lust problem. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Isaiah preached naked. I won't go there. Elijah wanted to kill himself. Jonah ran away from God's call. Naomi was a widow. Luke was a slave doctor. Zacchaeus was too short. Peter was a denier. Peter, James, and John fell asleep when Jesus needed them the most in the garden. Martha was, suffered from anxiety. Uh, Samaritan woman was married five times and Lazarus was dead, so what's my excuse, right? I think sometimes we sit here and we listen to these you know, Bible accounts and think, gosh, that's really cool for them. Pastor, we, we, we have the pastoral staff here. We pay you to do the work, but I don't really sure I can really be used of God. And I just want you to know that God always used misfits for his perfect plan, even Zach and Elizabeth, they are going to be called here to have a child and name him John. They were from the family of Aaron, from the lineage of Aaron, which is Moses' brother, which is highly significant because not only that, but Zechariah was a priest and he was called by God to serve him in the temple. Zechariah actually means God remembers and Elizabeth's name actually means oath of God. This hopefully will all come together as we read this text now, we're going to read verses 5 through the remaining section 25. So follow along with me in your Bibles. Let's read 5 to 25 
We read about Dr. Luke's account, eyewitness account. He's searching out the facts, the information. He has it, and now he tells a story. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. When the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of the incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Key verse 13. Hold on to that one. Underline it. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be a great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fer- other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Another key verse there. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. Let's continue on in verse 17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am old and my wife is well long in years. That's such a nice way of saying my wife's old. The angel of the Lord said, I am great Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words. Not because you doubted, but because you did not believe me, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them, and he realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his first time of service was completed, he returned home, and after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is so cool, this account. I didn't realize there's so much power-packed information behind the birth of Jesus, which we'll look at his announcement next week. They are, of course, as you know, childless. And in that culture, not having a baby was something that was traumatic for them. In fact, there was a lot of stigma, a lot of... uh, talk that went around if you didn't have a child, especially if you didn't have your firstborn child as a male. So um, when they didn't have children, they were either seen as cursed, great sin in their life, or they were less than. So they were living under that stigma for many, many, many years. Interesting to note that um, because he was a priest, there were over 25,000 priests in that time who were serving in and out of the temple. So when Zacharias goes into the temple to burn the incense, it's so cool because there were only 25 out of 25,000 priests who were allowed to go in and burn incense in the temple. Now, to most of us who are non-Jews, this doesn't really 
you know, okay, I kind of get it. That's kind of some cool information. But what's, the, what's really the significance of this? Up here, just put on, a, on the screen what the temple looked like back in the day. I just want you to notice this area right up here where there's this red dot. I want you to notice the incense that he went into to light, which really signifies when he goes into this place, we don't have time to go all the way into the temple and all the intricacies of it, but it is really cool to note that when God decided to have this temple built, he had it to the ninth degree, that he wanted so much detail because this was a place where the Jews would come in, the priests would come in, and they would light as the altar of incense. These are the prayers that the people would offer to God. And what's really cool in Revelation, it says that God, every prayer that you pray, God keeps them in these bowls. And in these bowls, God remembers every single prayer that you pray. That's why this is so significant. When he gets to light the incense burning up into the nostrils of God, it's this incredible imagery that he was chosen, even though we just read that he didn't believe that God could do this amazing thing and give them a child. I, I, I guess that's where it becomes real for me is that God can use imperfect people for his perfect plan even when we have problems of disbelief and doubt and waiting on him is really the key. I just want you to think about this for a second. Biblical days, they mar married very young, probably age 15 to maybe 20. We don't know exactly when they were married. But I thought this was so interesting that they're well along in years. We don't know exactly how long, but maybe let's say they're in their 70s, 60s, 70s. That would have meant that they didn't have children from the time they got married all those years. Let's call it 45 years. They Think about this could be what happened to Zachariah and, and Elizabeth. They had prayed for 45 years for a child waiting on God living through all the talk, living through all the gossip, living through the social stigma, and all of a sudden there's an angel that appears and says, you are going to have a son, you and Elizabeth, and you are to call him John. This is huge. This is ginormous. That God heard their prayer and he answered their prayer, but watch this, he answered their prayer in his timing, not on their timing. This is where this hits home for me. Because I, as I mentioned, I, I just want everything now. I just want revival in our land now. I want to see the whole city of Mission Viejo know about Jesus Christ now. I want us to be a disciple-making church in a full-fledged machine where, man, someone comes to Christ, you come to Jesus for the first time, and we are able to put you in a discipleship relationship, and you become this, this, this follower of Christ, and it just all flows together. I want this now. And God says, you're not ready now. There's things I have to work out in you. There's things that I am refining in your life. Remember what it says in John 15. He is the vine. We are the branches. And he gives an imagery here about those who do not follow are cut off. But he's not saying that he cuts us off because we disobey or we doubt. He's saying, I need to cut you back. Because he wants growth, man. He wants you to believe his word and follow his word at any cost. And so, unfortunately here, Zacharias, different than Mary, when the angel Gabriel came and talked to Mary, which we'll look at next week, he did not just doubt, he didn't believe that God could do what he told him to do. 
He did not believe. That's where the, the crux of this is. I, I want us to be a church so much, a people of God, that, that we believe God not just in him, but we believe God can. We believe that God is a miracle-working God, and he can do the impossible. So have you ever been waiting for something? Waiting for God to do something. Maybe answer a prayer. Heal you. Heal a loved one. Fix a problem. Fix someone. Save a family. Save a friend. Waiting for you and your wife to get for her to get pregnant, waiting for God to deliver you from something that's going on that's terrible in your life, waiting for God to fix your child, waiting for him to fix the situation. There's nothing more frustrating than asking and asking and asking God, but it seems like, God, where are you? What are you doing, God? Frustrating to feel like we're unfruitful in a land where we can see, God, why aren't you doing this? I just think that there's times that God may need to cut us back. Not cut us off, but cut us back. Zechariah and Elizabeth made a decision in their life, I believe, because it says they were righteous, meaning they were trying to do the right thing and follow the law. Remember, Jesus hadn't been born yet, so this is all different from them. It's Old Testament stuff. Like Habakkuk 3.18 says, I choose to rejoice in God. I will choose to rejoice whether I see the fruit or whether I don't. Whether, whether, whether we see the, the, the compliment that that person gives or not, I'm going to choose to rejoice in you, God, alone, because you have saved my soul. You have changed my life. You have given me the gift of eternal life. You have now made me like one of yours, God, because of all that you did on the cross. That's, that's living for Jesus. That's a true disciple of Jesus understands, God, I trust what you're doing, even though I don't understand it. This may take a while. I guess, you know, that's the phrase that God was speaking to my heart this week as I was preparing this message. Mike, I know you want revival. No one wants a revival and awakening to the gospel of Jesus more than I do. But this may take a while. I know you want your spouse to become a full-fledged follower of Jesus. I know. And nobody wants that more than me, but this may take a while. Here's the question. Am I willing to trust him no matter what? Leonard Ravenhill, who's one of my favorite Christian authors, said this. Opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of opportunity. I like that. So while we're waiting, we don't just sit back and go, okay, God, I'll just kind of kick back and wait for you to do your thing. It's, it's, he was still in the temple. Zechariah went in the temple, performed his duties, lit the incense, went up to God as a sweet aroma. He was doing what God told him to do, but he was still waiting on God. So there are some things that we can learn out of this text. Number one is this. God kept his promise to Israel. Isn't that cool? God is a promise keeper. He doesn't give up on us. If we mess up, God doesn't say, well, <laughs> you blew it, so that's it. God promises to keep his word. I love that. And God promised, and he kept his promise to Zechariah and Elizabeth. You will have a son. You are to call him John. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born. He is going to be set apart to be what Jesus called the greatest prophet of all the Bible was John the Baptist. 
Why was that? Because he had the privilege of introducing the Son of God into the world. He baptized, literally, Jesus in the Jordan River. They are cousins. Elizabeth and Mary are sisters. We get to see this great Christmas story unfold behind the scenes. And God always keeps his promises. He does. It's just not always on our timing. Now, here's the thing that I just grabbed away from this text is God keeps his promise to you. He keeps his promise to you. He will keep his promise. So, God wants an undivided devotion, undivided devotion to live out his plan. That's what he wants. I I know it's rough out there. I know there are moments of distraction. I know there are places sometimes that we get unfocused. We lose our focus. And God, I'm waiting on this. I'm waiting for you to do something, but I don't know how long I can hang on here. Anybody ever been there? Here's what I want to encourage you with. God never looked, I think we saw pretty clearly, God never looked for perfect people, never looked for people who had it all together. He looked for people that were solely available. It's that God, use me in some small way in your great plan. How do we remain focused while we're waiting? I don't know about you, but I'm easily distracted. I am so easily distracted, I got a little bit of ADD in me, and if I'm not careful, I can be so distracted, I can lose focus on what God has called me to do. You know what I think about? I think about the guy named Nehemiah in the book of Numbers. It is recorded there in chapter six, this incredible call that God gave Nehemiah, I want you to build this wall. And the wall is for a purpose, for my people, for my city. I need you to build the wall. I need you to get administrators. I need you to build a team. And I need you to be on that wall and build that thing. We only got a certain amount of time. So this is what I need you to do, Nehemiah. Nehemiah heard the call and he was so absolutely focused to build that wall. He assembled his team. He didn't do all himself. And he got his members of his team on that wall and they built that wall. Now it says here that there were the naysayers. You ever have people in your life? Ah, you've been waiting around for years for that. Are you kidding me? God's dead. God's not going to answer that prayer. Oh, he must have passed you by. That train is gone. And there are people that will heckle you in, 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 in spiritual ways that will try to get you off the wall. If God's called you to be on that wall, you stay on that wall. And here's where Nehemiah, literally he's on the wall. And there are people down below saying, we want to have a meeting with you. You can check it out in number six. It's so cool. We, we, we want to have a meeting with you. We need you to come down from the wall because we need to meet you in the plain of Ono. Plain of Ono? And Nehemiah is yelling back, oh no, I'm not meeting you in the plain of Ono because God called me to stay on this wall. It actually says, they said this four times and he responded back four times, oh no. I'm staying on that wall. I'm staying focused. I'm waiting on God while we're working. I'm waiting while I'm working on this great task that God has given me. God has given you a great task. He's given you a great plan, a great fulfillment. It's simply to be the light of the world in this dark place. And would you agree? We got a lot of dark places. We got people that are spiraling down, like the gentleman I explained, one of the six, spiraling down into a lifestyle that only brings destruction. And God has called us to be lifesavers. He's called us to be people of light in a dark world. 
If you own a business, you light up that business for Jesus Christ. If you are a husband, you light your family up for Jesus Christ. If you are a single parent mom or a single parent dad, I know that's difficult. You do the best you can. You are a light in a dark place raising these kids. See, you and I are on a building. We are on a wall. God is building his house. Amen? We are building, this is, this is a statement for your life. I am building a great family, therefore I will not come down off this wall. I am going to continue to wait on God for these kids to be raised up. We're doing the best we can to raise them in the faith of Jesus. Bring them to church. Bring them to life group. Bring them to Bible studies. Bring them to Wednesday night. We're doing everything we can. I am here building a great family. Oh no, enemy, I'm not coming down off that wall. I am building a great family. I am building a great marriage. That's why we want to spend time, husbands, with our wives. We want to lift them up and encourage them and love them and serve them. As Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I, I, you spend too much time with your wife. Why don't you come out with the guy? I am building a great marriage. I'm not coming off the wall. I am building a great godly child. I am building a great business, not for the sake of making a buck, that'd be cool, but I'm building it so people can see the light of Jesus Christ in what we're doing. And I choose to wait on God. His promises are true. Just some action points and then we're done. Number one is this. I want you to open up your Bible this week. I want you to do something. I want you, or you can Google this. It's really easy to do. I want you to Google all the promises of God, okay? And when we say the promises of God, there are so many in the Bible, but I'd like you to find two promises that what we call universal promises. These are a blanket, an umbrella of promises that God gave his church, his people in the New Testament, and what I want you to do is I want you to pick two promises that Jesus gave to his people that are the most difficult for you to believe, okay? Because it's there that when we dig down and we ask God, God, you got to give me faith in this one to believe. You got to give me faith, not just to believe, but to walk in it, God. Something will be unearthed in your life that will bring you to the next level. Don't we all want to go to the next level with Jesus? Don't we all want to be on fire, a church that people look at and say, people, these people are different. They are a peculiar people. They're so different. They're so weird. They actually forgive. They actually work hard in the workplace. They actually are honest. They actually have integrity. And when they do mess up, they're the first ones to say, I messed up. I want that. I need that in their life. But it requires us to cling to the promise and live the promise and then wait on the promise of God. So I don't want you to pick an easy one. I want you to pick two promises that are really, really hard. You got it? Good, good, good. And then secondly, I want you just to pray over those ones that really speak to you. Now, remember that Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed, but they worked while they were praying. They worked while they were waiting. So God... The verse in Hebrews, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's hard for me. 
because I was abandoned, if this is you, if you were abandoned in your life, if you had people in and out of your life, it's really hard for you to accept, are you kidding me? God, you mean you're never, you're never gonna leave me? But I always feel like you're gonna leave me, God. If that's you, then I want you to apply that verse and say, God, I am going to live this verse and live the faith that you want me to live, believing God and trusting that you, God, will always be there. And the third one is I want you to exercise the faith that it takes God's time is always on time. Not on our timing, but on his timing. Last week, um, we gave everyone an opportunity to pick up one of these small light bulbs at the front and simply write down five names of people that you know in your life that are either lost or disconnected from a spiritual home. And it's just significant that those names, God already knew the ones that we were going to write down, right? If you didn't get a chance to do this, this is a response time that we have. And I want to encourage you, right up here on the tables on the right and the left, there are small pens. And you just write down the names of people that are on your heart. This is 2022. God, who do you want to come to faith in Jesus? Or those that have been to faith, but they just don't, they're so disconnected I want to see something happen in their life. And then I want to be an answer to that prayer. When you write that down, I just want to encourage you to put this in one of the sockets. And that's why you'll see, we're leaving this up all month because I just want you to see and be reminded that we, as Jesus said, we are the light of the world. So this time now, we're just going to take a few moments for you just to kind of reflect and God help me to put all this together. And so that's why we always offer a time of communion that worship team is going to come and and play some music. And inside the seat back in front of you, there's a small um, uh, container there of juice and, and bread. And we just want to encourage you to take a moment to remember, as Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Meaning, I'm not always going to be with you, but I promise I will be with you in spirit. When I die on the cross, that's for whole life, all your life. Forgiveness, grace, and mercy. God, we just want to say thank you for this introduction, this reminder that, that Dr. Luke wrote these things down. Because God, we believe you knew that we'd be sitting here in this moment and we needed the eyewitness account to be reminded, yes, Jesus was born into this world for me, for my salvation. And God, I thank you that Elizabeth and Zechariah didn't bail out of the plan. They didn't jump ship. They didn't just say, well, that ship passed us by. We're too old. God, I thank you that they waited on you. And even in the midst of Zechariah's disbelief, I thank you, God, that you restored him. God, if there's anyone here maybe struggling today with, seems like you just passed me by, God. I just pray, Jesus, that we would be reaffirmed by the power of your word. It's not over, God, till you tell us it's over. God, we love you and we thank you for the cross that makes all this possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. 
We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.